Hi there. I have been told that I have too many friends. Throughout my life, I have made a lot of them. Thousands of friends, according to my social media accounts. I like to imagine everyone I've ever called a friend all sitting in the same building, all talking to each other. It would have to be a small arena or a large field. And in this same lifetime, I have lost touch with most of them. If you had met me in seventh grade, you would have been introduced to a chubby kid in diapers who ate alone, hung out alone, and had only made one friend in all his 12 years. Welcome to Over Social, a podcast. My name is Mike McGee, and this is an audio introduction to a fraction of the people in my life. My family, friends, foes, and folks. Folks are the general public, people I have never met or only know by name. Brad Pitt is folks. Robert Guillaume and Betty White were folks. May they rest in peace. So far, most of you listening are folks. Folks could be old friends I haven't seen in so long that were strangers all over again. These are one-on-one conversations with family, friends, and foes. Someone once misheard me thinking I said foes when I said folks. They asked if I really intended to include conversations with my actual foes. It never crossed my mind, but considering my goals in this project, foes will now be included, if I can think of any. For most of my life, I have lived under the guidance that strangers are just friends I have yet to be introduced to. More and more, I find that I can be reintroduced to people I've known for decades as we change over time. Those changes bring out personas and behaviors that make us less familiar with each other. One thing I know, I don't need to make more random friends, but I am open to the idea of meeting people through already friends and family. So at the end of every conversation, I will ask my friend for the names of some folks, people they think I don't know. Then I will invite those folks, one at a time, to sit down and record our first conversation together for you to listen to. My social MO used to be more people, less time. This has since flipped. Hence, this podcast. Spending quality one-on-one time with interesting people in my life and capturing that in the hope that it might entertain or inspire someone to call up an old friend or even apologize to an ex. I had started this project in 2019. Then the pandemic made me reassess everything and I put it on hold. My friends and family will give you a good sense of who I am, but I will offer you a foundation we will build on through this podcast. My parents were 18 and 19 when they married, and the Army shipped my dad to Kentucky where I was born on January 12, 1976. I wish I could claim San Jose, California as my birthplace, but considering how much I love it here, no one ever questions it as my home. I was born with the neural tube defect spina bifida, and my great-grandmother, a neonatal nurse from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, advised my mother to get me to Stanford Hospital in California as soon as possible. My mom was not a fan of the army in Kentucky and needed very little convincing to return to the Santa Clara Valley. I was three weeks old when we moved. My parents had my brother Jamie a year later and separated shortly after. They both eventually remarried and had more children, ultimately making me the eldest to three brothers and four sisters. I lived with my mother for most of my youth. She raised me to be independent and creative, urging me to do whatever I wanted and always supported my desire to make people laugh to write, to travel, and to not finish college. If I was going to live with an uncertain life expectancy in diapers, she wanted to make sure I got to enjoy it. To clarify, I was born with spina bifida, which has provided me with a lifetime of nerve damage, migraines, and incontinence. 
The diapers kept people away from me. Incontinence products in the 1980s were very loud. Like wearing garbage bags as underwear. Only confirming my open secret to those listening. I had an invisible yet audible disability. Kids teased me every day or avoided me altogether. And so I was always alone at school, Monday through Friday. I was the target of some very mean behavior from kids of all types, teasing and taunting every day by more and more of the general student population than one might expect. But at home, I was a beloved entertainer and my audience really gave a shit about me. I always wanted to be a performer, but I assumed my disability would keep me off the stage. How can I make people laugh if I can't make friends? Eighth grade and a new sassy attitude changed everything. I got tired of being treated so poorly by my peers that I began to talk back. I gave two insults for every one I received. Years of holding it all in and I finally exploded. No one could keep up. But eventually, people started to see me and enjoy my sense of humor. It also gave me an opportunity to introduce folks to each other. You're cool and they're cool, I've noticed. So why don't you know each other? It was a joy to match up other loners and form social groups with people who didn't know how not to be outsiders. By the end of high school, I was class clown and pretty well liked by everybody, still chubby and in even larger diapers. Right after high school, I took a couple of community college classes, but it didn't stick. I was now hooked on hanging out. I ended up loitering for a few years at Campbell Coffee Roasters inside of the Pruneyard Shopping Center near San Jose. If you had passed by the outside table sometime between the summer of 1995 and the fall of 2000, you would have likely seen me and far too many of my friends smoking, laughing, and avoiding responsibility as much as possible. Those thousands of hours spent loitering at a cafe equated to a college education for me. It's where I learned to be a good person with good people. It was the culmination of a dozen or so social circles coming together in a Venn diagram of homies. Many of us referred to ourselves as Campbell Coffee Kids. That name is now synonymous with so much joy and heartache. It was my entry into adulthood and the failure of avoiding it altogether. Through the people I met sitting at those tables, I discovered a deeper sense of humor and an unyielding desire for poetry and literature and a stage presence that is such a part of who I am. Once I graduated from Campbell Coffee, I began hanging out in poetry circles and competing in poetry slams. I languished for a bit as a stand-up comic, trying to be a poet. But things clicked after a couple of years and I won some pretty major poetry slam titles. My only option at the time was to capitalize on those wins and start touring around the country performing my spoken word. I toured for 11 years. I traveled about a million miles to perform live poetry for about a million people. I performed on TV and radio, and I made more friends than you can imagine. I went from homebody to homesick and back again. I saw thousands of stages, smoked so many cigarettes, and became an alcoholic. I let my diabetes get out of control, but I ate some really good food in between eating way too much bad food. As someone who has traveled a lot as a performer, I often feel like I know everyone in my audience. At least I really want to know them in those moments. But most of them were strangers, giving me a very small amount of their time to connect on an emotional level, a blip in the timeline of our lives. It turns out that everyone I've lost touch with were simply strangers unstranging themselves to me for a little more of our time than usual. I used to feel sad when I realized that another person had faded from my life. Then the pandemic enveloped us, and it put me well outside of my need to be in contact with most of the people in my life. It created a new social hierarchy, making certain people more accessible than others. Are the people we stay friends with, the people we hold on to the tightest, just giving us better time than everyone else? What does it mean to know somebody? 
As a person with a disability, I've become more aware of my dwindling spoon count. I am quite a productive person, but I've become more selective with regard to how much capacity and energy I have to accomplish all of my daily tasks. Post-pandemic, socializing is more of a task now as it takes a lot more energy to be around people. If you want to know more about the spoon theory by Christine Misandarino, visit her blog at butyoudontlooksick.com. Social media has made me feel less social. So much of it makes me feel disconnected, and I want to connect to the people who mean something to me and to the people who I mean something to. I am certainly more selective with whom I choose to share my time with face-to-face. Here's one of my favorite quotes by the actor Robert Guillaume. I will walk into the sunshine with you, or you will not be my friend. I will instruct you, and you will instruct me. I will learn things from you, and you will learn things from me. Otherwise, you can't be my friend. I found the quote in a local newspaper while on tour somewhere in Texas in 2004. I believe it was a larger comment on civil rights and relationships between black and white Americans. I read it in the passenger seat of a car while waiting for the driver to return from an errand. I tore out the quote and I still have it. I do not know why I remember where I was when I read it, but I am certain I was not in Dallas or Austin. Most of the time I can usually remember the person associated with the memory, but this one is lost to time. I only know that they were a poet based in Texas, and I liked hanging out with them. I've only recently accepted the fact that it doesn't really matter who it was. The story is unnecessary. Nevertheless, I am a glutton for details. But the problem is that at one point, I probably considered the driver of that vehicle a friend, and now I cannot remember their name and face. They have faded so perfectly into the past that I may never remember them. We must not have learned enough from each other in order to stay in touch. The quote remains true to me, and I've included it in the signature of nearly every email I have sent since 2004. In 2018, I reconsidered the last line of the quote, Otherwise, you can't be my friend. And I realized that I, like corporate social media, have been misusing the word friend most of my life. So far, I have only met a handful of people with spina bifida who are older than me. I intend to use my remaining time wisely, curiously, and lovingly. I will always be very social but my intentions are to be an equal audience to the person I am sitting with, to be their family or their friend, to unfoe my foes, and to make folks feel at home in our new friendship. My name is Mighty Mike McGee, and I can't wait for you to meet my friends. New episodes of Oversocial will be available Thursdays to my Patreon subscribers and on Mondays everywhere else. Follow me on Instagram at MightyMikeMcGee and at MightyMikeMcGee.com. Big thanks to my friend Ben Henderson for the music in this episode. 